you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL podcast doesn't read Mark Sessler's articles. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a stadium filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling. Greg Rosenthal and Connor Orr. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. <laughs> Jeez. What is happening? We are standing for the second consecutive year in the press box, the NFL media press box, after Super Bowl Sunday, looking down on a confetti-drenched field. And they really, by the way, up their confetti game, added some streamers, some tinsel. Great work by the confetti folk. Greg, in his right hand, he just took, took it out of his pocket like a whimsical child. Has his own confetti he got from the field. And why not? Because the New England Patriots are back at the top of the mountain. The throne of ease at the top of the mountain, Greg. Super Bowl champions after a 28-24 win over the Seattle Seahawks in one of the greatest Super Bowls of all time. Nothing easy about this. I mean, Tom Abba, Brady. Abba. Tom Brady. <laughs> Down two scores in the fourth quarter against the best secondary that we've seen in a long time. For him to direct two straight touchdown drives like that to win the game, and then finally for the defense this time to pull it off. I, I don't know. It's almost like you couldn't you couldn't write that any better. I think when you factor in the ridiculous curse catch, how well the Patriots defensive backs played on that entire drive, and then the final play of the game. To me, the greatest Super Bowl I've ever seen. Wait, did you say, hey, Dan? I did. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Greatest <laughs> Super Bowl. All right, let's go around the room real quick. Mark, how are you, buddy? I'm doing We were fine. a little I... worried about your energy level before the show started. That's you seem your, like it's coming back. Concern. The color is coming back in well, your face. that's your concern. You know, the Patriots winning a fourth Super Bowl is big, and that's interesting. But I think we've now reached... What is the end breaking point for Mark Sessler? And we just we found it in the last 15 <laughs> minutes. If anyone witnessed, we have reached the it's end of Sessler. 
I'm not sure where you're going with that. You know, listen, I'll just say that you're asking, is this the greatest Super Bowl we've I, seen? That's that what, what I was trying to get at. Hands down, absolutely. Because wow. I think, for, well, for us, you've got to go with anyone that you've been to in person has a particular charm. And this had everything you could ask for. Connor, your thoughts. Absolutely the best one. Well, absolutely the best one I've seen in person. <laughs> wait, before, wait a second. Just so everybody understands what's going on up here. We are still, we are not a high-end operation yet. I'm holding the type of mics that were used when Lady Di and Prince Charles got married in 1982. It's a stick mic. It's nice. It's a stick mic, and Greg is sharing one with Connor, so he's holding it in Connor's face. This really is from Fisher Price, moment. by the he way. He looks like a, uh, you know, Chuck Woolery right now. <laughs> And then Wes and Gray, uh, Wes and Mark have lob mics, so they're clip, clipped onto their handsome ties. So you guys look kind of professional, but it, like we we take it back a couple decades. On the other side of TD, who's sitting in between us right now, say hi, TD. What's going on, guys? I know a lot on, of people. Fellas? I was impressed, really missed TD on the last podcast. That shows how much the the viewers, the listeners, really love you. I, I hope everyone checked out the actual video. It was a fun time, and it was a good time. Hey, let's, let's get to this podcast, guys. Yeah. All right, by the way, okay, Connor. Hey, TD could have well, gotten out of Everyone, everyone always wants to say the greatest Super Bowl of all time right away, and I, I think it probably was. I don't well, know. Well, let Who me kn- add some more points. Okay. You're talking about, in addition to the back and forth of two great quarterbacks, right? One of the best defense we've seen in at least 15 years and possibly the best pass defense we've ever seen, you've got – Belichick and Brady going for their sixth, for their fourth title in their sixth Super Bowl, and you're doing it the, the caliber of opponent. You're doing it against the reigning Super Bowl champion. Against the best defense in the league for three it, years running. I don't First hear, team like that since the late 60s. I don't want to hear that the Patriots-Panthers game was better. It wasn't. No. Uh, and I hear you, and I agree. And even going into it, I just thought this is one of those Super Bowls. You remember every Super Bowl, but some – you remember in history more than others to have these two teams face off at this point in time was amazing and for the game to live up to every possible expectation and more for the Patriots to dominate early but not really take advantage of it and then the Seahawks to score 24 points in under 13 minutes it was it was seven to nothing with two and a half minutes left in the first quarter, and then it's the middle of the third quarter, and people think at that point that the game is over, that the Patriots are down 10 and everything is going wrong for them. Not only that, but then you're left with, like, this lingering what-if mystery of, like, the call that will kind of define the Super Bowl, but will always make it kind of a great discussion point. Yeah, let's go through that sequence because that's what, however, there will be two things in the upcoming week, I think, that will be talked about. There will be Tom Brady and, and a lot of discussion about him now being seen as the greatest ever after getting the fourth ring. And then the other big conversation will be how the Seahawks blew it and how they got so close to stealing uh, a repeat at the end of the game. So we had first, after the Pats take the lead, they go up 28-24. The uh, Seahawks get to midfield almost immediately. 30-yard pass to Marshawn Lynch against Jamie Collins was like a beautiful – Russell Wilson played so well in the game up until that last pass. Right. So then – uh, Russell Wilson drops back to pass from midfield, puts it down the sideline inside the 10-yard line uh, where Malcolm Butler, a little-known at least until today, defensive back, jumps up, knocks the ball away, or thinks he does, knocks it away from Jermaine Curse. But somehow we have a catch-two scenario, David Tyree scenario, where somehow the ball bobbles around like Antonio Freeman and Curse catches it on his back in one of the st- most stunning plays in Super Bowl history. And, Greg, I was on the other side of the press box. I couldn't really see your reaction, but you had to be, you know, oh, he dying. Was, 
He was at a nine and nine point eight on the, the on the P, P scale, scale was high. I P did, everywhere. I did immediately say underpants. <laughs> Sessler said Saturated. like people are going to remember that play for fifty years. That's one of the best plays in Super Bowl history. Right away. I said, I did say immediately. Well, only if the Seahawks score a touchdown. So I wasn't giving up at that moment yet. But I did think back to the last time I was in Phoenix was to which to watch the Patriots t- try to finish off the Super Bowl season and Randy Moss caught a touchdown with about two and a half minutes left very similar to this game when Edelman caught it and I thought this is to go up four this is the exact same scenario that happened last time and I'm not the only one thinking this after the game you know they asked Tom Brady about it he said these plays have gone against us they said to Belichick have you ever seen a play like this and he's like he said yeah I've seen two of them (laughs) Mario Manningham and the Tyree play so then they run it with Lynch he gets I, I believe about five yards to get it down inside the two or maybe even the one one. And then well, in the play the one. that will be talked about, Mark Sessler, forever. On second down, from the one-yard line, less than a minute <laughs> to play, on a team that has Marshawn Lynch, arguably, or maybe not even arguably, the best goal line back in football, they call a pass play, intercepted by the same guy that was covering Jermaine Curse, Malcolm Butler. And the game is suddenly over, and the Patriots win 28-24. Mark. Dad's losing his voice. Oh, my goodness. No, it was, I mean, it obviously right away on Twitter, which is exploding, calling it the worst play call of all time. You know, five times this year, Lynch ran from the one-yard line. One touchdown, two for zero, and two for a loss. Hmm. Uh, you know, at the same time, they, I, yeah, they made the pass. No one <clears throat> would be saying this. My voice is going. By the way, this, this is what is happens ridiculous. when, uh, Greg, you send an almost 35-year-old dad and a 40-year-old dad to multiple parties. Uh, well, Dan, part Dan of, part of the job. You, you were on the party beat, and you did a great job. If anyone hasn't checked out the Super Bowl Experience blog, please do. Mark was really on a self-appointed party. I didn't see him write about it or anything, but I think he really dominated the party scene probably more than anyone in the entire All right. in the entire city. <laughs> That's fair, but Dan needed someone to bounce ideas off with. At vital, the party vital. Itself, so. Especially at the Bud Light party. That was a good party. I don't think anybody would make the argument that Marshawn Lynch is not a good tackle-breaking goal linebacker. Even if the one-yard stats are crazy, we saw him score earlier in the game breaking tackles sure. and busting He just heads. had a five-yard run on the play before. We all agree you That's, give the ball to Marshawn Lynch. At well, that point in the game, they had a 90, I don't know what it would be, but it would be like a 96% chance to win it, the game. It's a shame it wow. overshadowed what Pete Carroll did to close out the first half when a lot of coaches would have taken a mm. knee and they go down the field and score 20. 29 seconds, they score a touchdown. And he opts to go for a touchdown with six seconds left instead of kicking the field goal. Two aggressive, aggressive, high-reward play calls. The high-reward play call on second and one was to hand the ball to your with best player, With a timeout. They had just blown a timeout, and I wonder if that came into their thinking. And that was a bad timeout to blow uh, down the field there. But they still did have one timeout. And Bevel, the offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel, talked after the game, and And it sounded like the clock was a factor because he thought, well, if we don't get this play, it kills the clock. We still have two plays left, and we can run it, you know, one or both of those plays. So So he was overthinking. Well, he was definitely overthinking. With Lynch from the first play, they talked all week, oh, we're going to gang tackle Marshawn Lynch. It's like, that's fine. You know what? That's what every team said all year long, and it's not happening. They really got five, six guys on him and shut him down early. Marshawn Lynch was not a factor. You know he's going to climb back in, but – 
the Patriots took care of business in what I thought would be the matchup that would wreck them. He had over 100 yards and was dominant in the second half. In the second half, but right. early on, I'm saying they can't. They were they they went into the halftime still in the game it, because of what they did. It with was Lynch. an up and down performance for Lynch because there was a key spot where they had the lead in the second half and it was second and three and they run the ball two straight times. He gets two yards and then he loses yardage. And so if Lynch could have just delivered in that third one scenario, you know maybe they have a bigger lead. I got an interesting text from someone in the league after the game that just said, how about your $20 million future quarterback doesn't throw a pick on the one-yard line? <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, I mean, if you can freeze-frame it at a certain point, you can see Malcolm Butler about to jump the route. I mean, so I, I'm not putting this on Russell Wilson's shoulders, but how about you just how about you just sky that one over his head and run the ball in the next play? And it is funny how, in this game, how legacies are, how are, are born, because it takes luck, too. Because So and, much luck. I always go back to... As one of our mic pieces almost falls to the ground. Um, <coughs> it's a ghetto operation. But, TD, you're doing a great job. Not your fault. We need more money. TD's out here. We're, we're hitting midnight, by the way, right now, boys, mm-hmm. in Phoenix. That means it's two back on the East Coast. We're going to be having a good old time tonight. Anyway, so, go on. Yeah, so my point is uh, I always go back to Super Bowl twenty three and uh, the San Francisco 49ers and Cincinnati Bengals. When Joe Montana throw, nearly throws a fourth-quarter interception to Wes? Inter- oh, Lewis, Bill- third and Billups. Yes, third and Billups that gets dropped in the end zone, or it could have been a pick six, gets dropped, and then he goes on. Montana wins the game later on the pass to John Taylor. No one remembers right. that uh, Joe Montana almost threw, or basically threw away Super Bowl because he got lucky. Russell Wilson could have got lucky, too, if some no-name defensive back drops that throw. But he didn't drop it, and sometimes that's when luck comes in. And, and you have to give him – you have to give Butler credit for making an outstanding play. It reminded me Butler. a lot of the Bobby Wagner interception on Brady from earlier. It was a really ba- – it was a bad throw and a bad decision, but you had to make the perfect play to pull it off. And Butler did that, like going hard and aggressive after it. Bevel kind of threw Lockett under the bus yeah, after weird. the game and said he didn't – you know, he could have been a little stronger going to the ball. It also gets you thinking, it, it's crazy. And I think Bill Belichick is, is smart enough to know this. Like, it's We're just letting Greg just sorry. revel tonight, by <laughs> the way. You know what? That's, that's and we're fair. not going to give him a hard time about it. Right? I mean, fair. this is no one's I'm just saying, moment. Isn't it weird, though, Belichick, for everything Belichick does, he is aware that these Super Bowl championships come down to Butler versus Lockett. Isn't I, that bizarre? On, and, like, these one by the way, just what are I, you guys laughing no, at? No, just an idea. What if we all – put down our mics and oh, went and sorry. got on the bus and then let Greg just do the pod. Just one thing. <laughs> just like, give him the I, stage. We've come this far and barely <laughs> talked about the fact that, you know, Wilson had an interception. Brady overcame two killer interceptions in this game. And down in the locker room, all players were saying was, we never for one second panicked. And just like with Joe Montana staring up at John Candy in the stands before right. he orchestrates that drive, Brady's the same way. They were like, I said, what did you think to Sebastian Vollmer over the pick? He's like, Oh, we don't even get and it's like from Germany. Some guy from wow, Germany. that was great. Wait, some guy from Germany, but he's like, we, he's like, well, we don't even think about it. He's no, like, I want to hear the Volmer impression if you're going to be doing it. It was well. G- they went off trying to interview the guy. He goes off the seat. I'm a thin man from Germany. I like that they kept me. It's like, well, all right, let's get back wow. on the topic of the game here. So, but, but if you're going to talk on. about luck and how it worked for the Patriots, you, and you talk about legacy, if not for Asante Samuel and Wes Welker drops, Brady would have six Super Bowls. Right, or take yeah. David Tyree's catch. Yeah. That's very true. The key is getting to six, and you're going to win a bunch. Well, and that is, uh, I guess we should definitely talk about Brady a little bit more now because 
He threw the two interceptions. They were both bad picks, especially the first one, which was like, uh-oh, where is this game going? By the way, I, just, I don't want to get sidetracked, but show of hands, which is a very good device for a podcast, <laughs> who thought that game was over at 24-14 with the Seahawks having the ball? Honestly. Yeah, because of the way okay. England is fading four out, four out of the five, or three out of the five of us. So, Wes and I did not. So, I mean, I, I thought this game was over. I thought this thing was going to be 31-14, and that's really a testament, again, to Brady. And, and honestly, guys, like uh, Connor, I'll ask you, does this, to you, make Brady the best ever? It has to, right? I mean, you know, just the way, and especially after the way, like, like Mark was saying, all the players just had an absolute certainty that he was going to come back from this. And especially as, as ugly as that first interception was, it, it just totally didn't phase him. And that whole game plan was predicated on his ability to hit short, accurate passes. And he was able to do it against the best secondary in football consistently through the last three quarters. They didn't have a play over 24 yards. I mean, I mean the Seahawks had about five five or six right. plays that big. It was all short, you know, dink and dunk. But when I think of what Brady did well in this game, I'll think of the third and 13 in the third quarter when they're down by 10 points and he climbs the pocket and he throws it to Edelman. Mm. And a couple plays, couple plays later, it's third and eight. I think it goes to Gronk or Amendola, and he gets another third down where he, where he climbs the pocket, and that's where the game started to turn around. I think these Montana Brady debates, they're they're gonna be hotly contested in sports bars or talk radio. The Wesling household. Wesling household the Wesling NFL networks. NFL.com. You wrote a piece already, it's up on the I, website. I Check did. it out. And it I don't great. think these things ever have definitive answers unless you're like Michael Jordan. But w- one thing I don't want to hear from Joe Montana apologists is that he's four and and Brady is four and two. That gives Montana the edge. That makes no sense whatsoever. So you're saying it's better to lose in divisional right. round and championship game rounds than it's better. It's better for Joe Montana's career. They got it picked off in the Giants at home in 1990. TD, I just realized why you're so slumped in your chair. Russell Wilson is your boy. The boy. Ah. If there's a state, a mansion of boy for TD, it is <laughs> Russell Wilson. And this was a damning moment in the young quarterback's career. He will be the highest paid quarterback in the league in a few months or maybe a few. Uh, weeks, but still crushing for your boy. Yeah, this one, this one sticks with you the rest of your career. You know, I mean, for a guy who's known for you know, wait, sticks making... to you for the rest of your career <laughs> today. That's it how might, it feels it right might, now. You know, that's a, for a guy who throws a sexy deep ball. He threw a clumsy short slant and uh, clumsy short ball. I guess, and you know, it's it's tough. It's tough to deal with. Uh, but you know, next season, he next season. he finishes though with eleven point eight yards per attempt. If he when he threw that ball, he said he thought the game was over. They won. That was well, what he said a fair after the reason game. Reason to think that, but then and I'm just saying, like up until that point, he had an almost perfect game, a much better game than Brady. Those deep balls, as a Patriots fan, I kept just seeing them up there, and it's one on one, and I just started assuming that the Seahawks are going to come down with it every time. I mean, it was like we were deep into the second quarter, and Russell Wilson was 0 for two. <laughs> it, 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 right. At that point, Brady had about 20. Attempts and he finished with a NFL record high, what thirty-seven, and he owns the touchdown completions, yeah, com- touchdown record in the, in the Super Bowl as well. I just think that, you know, forget Russell Wilson; he'll be <laughs> back. He's young; he's going to play for another decade. That's what we always this say. This may be the last time we get to see Belichick and Brady together in this kind of a game. But at the same time, with the way he is, I wouldn't be shocked if they're back two more times before he goes out. And that's another not small factor in the legacy question that. Brady and Belichick have a chance to come back here and defend this again to add more to their legacies. They're already the best I'm quarterback coach one. duo of all time. Good. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm ready. I'm done. I, I've said it to you before, Greg. <laughs> I've, I've, always, I've always 
put Jeter and Brady together, and this is very much like the 2009 Yankee World Series where Jeter had a ton of success early in his career and then went through a long period of good teams that never got over the hump, and then they had one more shot late in his career, and he got it. This is your 2009 Yankee season. Boston and New York connected, buddy. Wait, what just happened? We just sucked Derek Jeter for a minute? Yeah, why? Brady's why one of the best of all time. Yankees? Jeter's not up, up uh, that. No, I'm just uh, – some people are more cultured in multiple sports. There's a strong just parallel there. Well, I, I do think there is something to the fact why I, I really think it did mean more to Brady, to Belichick, to Kraft, to be knocking on the door for 10 years. It's been – you know, when they left in 2004, you would have thought Brady would have had another Super Bowl – by now, especially considering they've been back to two, they've been back to three AFC championship games that they lost to parallels four straight by. <laughs> so to just be that close each and every time and be one yard away from losing it again, it just it's insane. And how about the shorter history of the past two weeks where they've been villainized? One thing I'll never forget from today, which I'm not sure you would have picked up at home watching television, is that when they're flashing around various characters, players and coaches through the national anthem, you know, at a time when you're so, you know, let's be serene and let's celebrate the country and so forth, they show Belichick and it's like Darth Vader just showed oh, up on the screen. They went absolutely the national this, anthem. Was a C, this was a Seahawks-heavy crowd. And for, that Patriots, I saw Edelman after that just dancing around because he was, they loved it. I thought it juiced them up just like Greg said it was. You're I don't, totally right. I think it was like, it was like not a nine-to-one ratio. It was insane. I mean, it was, it was like CenturyLink here. By the way, I don't think it's fair that I can't make a Jeter – Parallel. You can make it. When We're Wes just makes his Michael Jordan ODB parallels, come on. Like We're just going to pick on you for it. What? That's think, not nice. I think it just went a little too far when you're saying New York and Boston together here. You Darrell Revis, Boston celebrate Darrell Revis on its own just track. won a Super Bowl for the Patriots. Ooh, that's Somebody true. cut me some slack that here. Dan and by the way, speaking point. of legacies, everybody's got to calm down now a little bit about the Seahawks defense because 24-14 in the fourth quarter, Make a stop, will you, Seahawks defense? Make a stop. <laughs> at least hold them to a field goal at the end there. Give up the two touchdowns. That's what the Patriots that, secondary did. I think that will, that will stick to that team. And I, Michael Bennett after the game, who we'll get to a little later in more depth, but Michael <laughs> Bennett after the game says this game doesn't define our legacy. I'm sorry. This plays a part in your legacy. If you're the best defense of your era, as Bennett said mm. a couple of weeks back, and you get burned in this spot and cost your team a Lombardi trophy – uh, you're not the 85 Bears, and you're not the 2000 Ravens. Hot takes. All, I love it. The 80s, they're the 87 Bears. <laughs> that <laughs> Maybe. Is, that is all well said. Injuries were a factor. They, they stopped getting as much of a pass rush once Cliff, Cliff Avril went out with a concussion. Uh, Jeremy Lane left early in the game. The that primary was, slot cornerback, and Therald Simon was picked on after Ugly that. broken arm. In the Patriots, oh. they used way more three and four wide receiver sets than we've seen in other games. I think for that Danny Amendola had a big game. Oh, boy. What's the stable of boys? No, Steve Danny, Smith got his eviction papers that's today, right. officially. Amendola, at one Amendola point. wasn't that much of a factor in the offense late in the season until the playoffs started, and then they started using more four wide and, and I'm sitting between Wesleyan and Greg in this game, by the way. So <laughs> I'm dealing, A, with the fact that Amendola turned that horse around and started to trot his way back to Wesleyan's <laughs> stable of boys. Wes is up pump-fisting about Amendola. Yeah, at one point you were like, Amendola's looking fast. <laughs> but on the other side, you got Greg, and I wanted to watch Greg That is Greg a terrible Wes impression, by the way. This was the biggest game, Patriots game. Any, nothing has come close in, in all the times we watched Greg watch this team win and lose. I want to say when it really looked like they were going to lose, I thought we were going to get a meltdown scenario and Greg starting to hand out assignments and say they're all going to be working without a vacation. For he was he was level-headed, yeah. just like I built Brady. a time machine, and we're all covering honors over and over again. <laughs>
<laughs> like, everyone's going to blame it on the Seahawks defense, and you're right, but you don't blow a lead like that in the fourth quarter unless both sides of the ball are doing it. Cause well, I'm this, not blaming just their defense, no, but, but I, that's, that's... I guess my point is the Seahawks defense did make a couple stops after they went up 10 points. So at that point, the Seahawks, they picked up a big first down on their first play, uh, and then they go three and out, and they had that long throw to Jermaine Curse. And we can debate whether Curse dropped the ball or whether Malcolm Butler, who played a very good game, made a good play on the ball and prevented him from catching it. But if Jermaine Curse caught that ball, I think the game is over then. I, I, I was thinking they are going to come back the whole time, and the offense couldn't move the ball. That They had a four and out, a three and out, and a three and out in a row before their last Seahawks drive. So they, as much as we're killing them for going too pass heavy, they kind of went run heavy for a little bit there. They couldn't quite make the plays. They, the offense had chances to end this game. It's a testament to how dramatic the finish was that we have gone this entire podcast and have not even spoken about. Katy Perry, what a show. I mean, let's start from the first song. She Sharks. Out, uh, Roar, what a song. Wes, your thoughts on that? It was absolutely over-the-top ridiculous. When the lion roared, <laughs> I like, like that Wes is listening leg, to this. I'm like, what? I, I mean, I let out Wait, an involuntary awesome. belly laugh because it was just so absurd. Another thing that was great to sit next to Wes, watching this metallic <laughs> golden like space-age lion roll in. I want TD's <laughs> thoughts know. on this. TD and Connor back-to-back. Back is, is that really what Wes was going to bring up, Katy no. Perry? No, but this right, is we'll halftime of the pod. Let's get back We're going to talk about Katy okay, Perry real quick. TD, our pop expert. Katy Perry was great, really great set. However, it was extremely random that she was essentially uh, Missy Elliott's hype man for like three minutes. That did extend a little too long. Connor, your thoughts? A little light on Lenny Kravitz. I would have liked to have heard like a couple bars of Are You Gonna Go My Way. If we're going to drag him all the way out here. Well, you know? by the way, on Friday at Radio Row, I went up to his handler and asked for two minutes with Lenny Kravitz. Again, by the way, in 2015. <laughs> and I got a hand in my face and said, no way. Little light on Lenny Kravitz is something no one's ever said. All right, so that, that concludes our Katy Perry halftime review. Four stars out of five. Wes, your point. <laughs> How have we gotten this far in the podcast? We haven't even talked about the guy who was going to be the MVP, the MVP of the game from out of nowhere, had never caught a pass in his NFL career until, the end of, until that bizarre end of the game scenario. Chris Matthews, basically when the whole Seahawks team was inept for a quarter and a half, Put, put them on his back, made three plays that led to 17 points, and turned the entire game around. I think the then one turn thing around that I enjoyed the hardball. most about it was, like, the <laughs> newspaper reporters that were on deadline that had started their Chris Matthews stories and had to finish <laughs> them for the first edition. So, like, they were still asking, like, how great it was for Chris Matthews, and everyone's like, well, it doesn't really matter now. <laughs> you know? That was, like, it was the same thing when I was downstairs in the uh, podium area, and uh, Malcolm Butler was still wearing his jersey and pads. And while he's sitting at the riser, then one one journo started to really like dive in on that, and he was like, "Hey man, I noticed you're still wearing your your pads. Is it because you uh, don't want to take take them off?" And he was like, "No, nah, not really. I just I haven't taken them off yet." Yeah, but it's part of the reason maybe you haven't taken them off because this moment is so special for you. And and he was like, "No, nah, not really." <laughs> journo trying to force the angle. Over under on the Butler did it headline. Oh, no. <laughs> we'll ask our newspaper consultant, Connor Orr, formerly the beat man of the Star-Ledger. The Daily News went with balls of steel, which I thought was good. There's a, mm. That's like multiple layers there. Yeah. Mm. One, one of the keys I thought in turning around for the Patriots was when they took their small cornerbacks off of your boy, Chris Wallace. 
that they Matthews. Matthews. Not I keep wanting to call him Chris Wallace, <laughs> like B.I.G. I mean, this guy came. He never had a catch before this game, which is outrageous. He looked like like A.J. Green today. Like I'm convinced he's gonna be good just based off I, this game. He looks better than any. He's a player. I kind of blame the Seahawks for never playing him before this because he looked more physically talented well, than than the rest of their guys. He he was re-signed in mid-November. I don't know how well he knew the offense or had Russell Wilson's trust. I'm guessing that's part of it. But I think you have to give their coaching staff credit for seeing what he's doing in practice and saying, in the biggest game of the year, we're going to make this guy a key part of our offense. So Brandon Browner in the locker room told the story of how he went up to his safeties coach uh, after the game, uh, during the game, rather, after halftime, and said, I want to cover this guy. You know, th- these guys are too short. They-, they didn't listen to him. They didn't put him on. They gave up the 45-yard play to start the third quarter, and then they finally listened to him. And he said he was begging them, let me put him on. And the officials really let Browner and those guys play, and I think that helped, you know, b- both defenses a, a lot. in the end zone there that was big later in the game. Connor is uh, on the beat, and he's checking Twitter, and he's got some breaking news from Golden Tate's Twitter feed. Says if I'm Marshawn, I'm livid. So that's uh, he's, they're slinging a little. Uh, well, they talked about yeah, they talked about you know the NFL Network broadcast said that they walked past you know a handful of Seahawks players and overheard a similar thing that they were Bobby Wagner was miffed. Yeah, Thurold Simon, who probably wasn't the guy to, to be, be questioning play calling, but <laughs> oh he was goodness. he was very aggressive about. I have no idea why they didn't. Isn't that exactly run the ball. what caused the issues in Seattle midseason when they you know before and after the Harvin trade is like mm. you're, now you're in that moment. Are you going to give it to the guy that everyone wanted you to give it to all season long and they don't? Oh, I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that. I thought you were saying now you're seeing some cracks in the armor and maybe yeah. dissension in the ranks. It tears apart the Seahawks little run here. Sit in the joy in Greg's voice right now. <laughs> Gargamel. What a moment this is for Greg. Well, let's talk about stories from the locker room. Tales from the locker room. Mark, we start with you. Give us one interesting thing you saw. Uh, it was just, you know, Tom Brady coming in. He's not talking to anyone. But having, you know, the first Super Bowl we covered, Dan, when it was that Giants uh, win over the Patriots, Brady absolutely devastated in that locker room. And it, the look on his face, I'll never forget. That was the first time I'd done that after a Super Bowl. Today, just seemed like a guy at peace. It was really kind of a Michael Jordan wins his multiple title thing where it's pretty cemented who he is. It's a nice point. way to close the book on his career when he retires in a week. <laughs> <laughs> you wish. We got to hear, uh, TD, what do you got? No, just going back to Connor Ory on, on the tweet from, um, what's his name? Why does Connor always get his last name mentioned, by the way? He's <laughs> one of those guys. He's a last sound, name, first name guy. Sidney Rice, also XC, also RBC, where he tweets out, second and goal from the one-yard line, one timeout in beast mode in the backfield. I would not have thrown that ball to Jerry Rice. Hashtag fail. Whoa. So the second guessing. Jerry Rice isn't even on the team. Well, Rice is like 59 right years old. He had his stint with the Seahawks. It didn't work out so well. Michael Bennett also said when I talked to him, and that's another tease to a little <laughs> later, uh, someone said that Emmitt Smith called it the worst play call in history. And uh, Bennett, so did Deion Sanders. Bennett sniped back. Uh, Emmett Smith's time has passed. It's over. Well, let's. We were talking about scenes from the <laughs> locker room. Why He's not? in a great mood. By why the way. don't we just uh, hear your Michael Bennett story? All right. So I was talking to Michael <laughs> Bennett at, uh, at the Risers. They have a little, not in the locker room, but then there's a little conference room, I guess, that has um, everybody uh, basically gets up for their own short amount of time. And Michael Bennett, who was everybody's favorite player uh, during media day and all week because of his unique outlook on life and his odd sense of humor, especially in relation to other players. And for three quarters tonight. And he was a great player tonight. He was incredible. I thought he was in the mix for MVP. So, you know, 
uh, when he's uh, people are asking him questions, and I would say one out of every two questions uh, was met with some derision from him, where he would uh, insult the reporter who asked it, saying, "Oh, the most you've ever lifted in your life is probably a microphone uh, or that recorder right there." He called a couple people's questions stupid, and then I should have known it was coming, but I asked it anyway. I asked my question. I said, uh, "What was the feeling on the sideline after that?" wild catch by curse was followed almost immediately by that interception was their shock what was the shock on the sideline granted not the greatest question in the world but you know get off my back his response <laughs> um <clears throat> about as shocked as your wife when she saw your penis for the first time <laughs> and then is... and then after a beat because it's small <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that good. Uncalled for. I'm glad he buttoned it up at the end there, just to make sure. So I already, sure. I, I already wrote a, a blog post about it, and I, I wrote it at the end of it, like you know, he took a shot at my male anatomy, but now I know that Michael Bennett's a, <laughs> which is ironic. Uh, but that was that was qu- quickly pulled by uh, the boss. TD's like, wait, I have more editing. Time yes, in this podcast. exactly. So TD's like, how much of this can we use? <laughs> Whatever, you know, we got a, we got one of those. So that was that was my fun encounter with Michael Bennett on uh, Super Bowl Sunday. So. You know, I consider that one of the highlights of my career, but it speaks to the frustration of Bennett uh, oh. and the entire team and maybe his two-faced nature, ultimately. What do you got from the locker room, Connor? I was just stunned at kind of the composure uh, that Pete Carroll showed. I mean, he really had to come out and explain his reasoning, which was semi-complex to a bunch of people that were on deadline and really just wanted to call him that play call the worst in history. He not <laughs> only took the blame, he explained it several times, and he tried to shield all of his coordinators and players, which I thought was, you know, it was crazy to see that. I mean, and then he's learning you know, tonight that there is no deadline when you work for an online site. He's a former newspaper <laughs> man. He's realizing it's 3 in the yeah, morning. There is a positive the newspaper to man uh, is asleep right now. By the way, it is, it is a good point, Connor, that the head coach went out of his way not to throw anybody under the bus, and then the OC does it right. like, concurrently. Oh. Yeah, that's not going to look so good in head coach he's, interviews. He I said think. Lockett didn't really fight for the ball that Butler picked off. He had no leverage on that play, though. I mean, like he—I mean, his defender was starting from so far back in the end zone. I mean, he got—you saw the that photo that we talked about right before the podcast started. I mean, he got leveled. I mean, I would love to see where he wanted him on that play. I, I heard a lot of people saying this can't be the greatest Super Bowl ever because the Seahawks lost it. The Patriots didn't win it, and I what? think that's absurd. That's silly. Butler made the play, and Tom Butler. Brady riddled the best de- best pass defense in football. With two epic fourth-quarter drives. And they, and they I were, think that's uh, crazy. The Patriots definitely won that game. And they were inside the 10-yard line. Maybe they would have got there anywhere, but they were inside the 10-yard line from and one of the flukiest plays Patriots in NFL history. I mean, backs made what, it was a great play, but it was insane. They but the Patriots fantastic. defensive backs had, what, four, three pass deflections and an interception just in that final section of plays? I was amazed uh, in the locker room how quiet the Patriots locker room like was. floated into the locker room. I, I almost wish I didn't go down because it was so sedate. I talked with a couple people afterwards. It was definitely the most calm Super Bowl locker room. There was still a Patriots like, yeah, we're not going to quite celebrate now while the media is here and really embrace talking to the media now. We're going to well, wait till Robert everyone's Kraft gone. And I get it. Right. Up, so, I get it. There were there were little moments like people were taking. <laughs> I love seeing that like the players were taking photos with with the trophy and Mr. Kraft and Robert Kraft and like they were loving that. Mr. But Kraft. I, I call him <laughs> Mr. Kraft. My God. By the way, I. Is that I yeah, it did. Yeah. It really did happen. <laughs> Listen, he's, he's floating right now. Uh, Mark, both you and I have had the, the fortune of being in the winning locker room four straight years now of these Super Bowl teams. And I've always been shocked, and I wrote about this in my the blog, that 
um, the first year, which happened to be the last time the Patriots in the Super Bowl before today, I remember get, gathering my stuff and thinking, oh, man, this stuff might get champagne on it. Oh, no. I was so naive and stupid um, at the time. But that's not how these locker rooms ever are. They're almost always very kind of surprisingly yeah. calm. They're not like what you would see in other sports where there's a, just a raucous celebration. And, I, you know, I wrote before that it's, it makes sense, though, the amount of adrenaline that these guys are on when the game happens and the, the, just the monumental nature of the win. Maybe the, the locker room is where the guys kind of just decompress need, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you need time. If you, you get yourself that high, it's not like baseball. You get yourself to a much higher peak of adrenaline in football. You need time. Well, plus it's weird because we're all there. Yeah, yeah, but Wesley well, made but a good point, sports though. sports have reporters like that you, these, are, these teams are a reflection of the coaches. And, and I would say that it isn't just that you need time because last last week when we went into – or last year we went into the Seattle locker room, man, they were on fire. They were all having the time of their life. And Pete Carroll was right in the middle. They were doing cheers. I mean, you went in tonight into New, in New England, and maybe some people don't like the Patriots because of this. But it was a Morgan there, and it was business as <laughs> usual. And I, not, it was. Oh, it was I just, think they're going to be partying. Yeah. It just wasn't they are. that. It's oh, just yeah. that there there will be a Gronk video up in about seven hours of on course, every sports Seattle's blog in the country. Is, we are who we are. Right. You want to be a part of that, that's fine. We'll have you there or not. The Patriots are like, we're going to do this at another time and place. I mean, Honest, it was a strange Super Bowl locker room. There. Right. Honestly, the thing I'll remember most from that whole scene was I kind of watched I, I left around the same time Belichick did. He, you know, he saw me leave and he was like, "Okay, I guess this is over." So he walked out with Linda Holiday, and they were, wa- you know, they're walking down the hallway, and someone, you know, some guy from the Patriots like yells at Belichick, like, "Hey, hey, you want some food?" He's like, "We got, we got some chicken tenders." So we got some chicken tenders, and Belichick kind of like looks over. He like walks past, and he stops. He's and he thinks about it for a minute, and he goes and kind of looks at it, and has like a, he's like, "Oh, this sucks," but then he just takes it and shoves it in his face anyways. You know? <laughs> well, that's the night to go have those chicken tenders, isn't it? Super Bowl life. <laughs> just saying, hey, Bill, he's just like one of us, you know? Um, all right, gentlemen, what else do we want to talk about before we get out of here? I think we gotta we got to leave eventually. TD's dying over here. Russell Wilson just, you know, set his career back potentially forever, and TD is soaking that in. Anything else, guys, that we want to talk about before we head back to Phoenix? One quick moment, which, you know, Greg, you're very proud of you today and happy for you, but a little bit of a... a proud black, of me? What did of, I do? A little bit of a black mark, because when you want to get into journo ethics, and you know, got a lot of journo... Total journo ethic uh, conversation the, coming the up. Super Bowl, I look over, and Greg has sent out on both Instagram and, and Twitter a picture that he took of Belichick, like, reaching out to be like, hey, how are you, man? Good to see you. Thank you. And puts a quote in addressing that Belichick had spoken to Greg, thanking Greg for all that Greg's done. And I thought actually wow. one of, not what? accurate and potentially unprofessional. But well, other than that, everything definitely fine. unprofessional. But the one I sent from the Around the League account actually it said, "Great job all year for the by the AT NFL guys. Love the podcast. Even, He's a big fan. Even more untrue. Wow. <laughs> we don't know that to be untrue. You weren't there. He, it wasn't a quote. Let's. Anyways, I'm not going to get stuck on that. We've gone off track. Great hey. stadium, by the way. Here. Beautiful. Oh, yeah, beautiful beautiful day. When they opened up the roof, I thought that made, in my mind, it put me in a much better mood. It just, what a beautiful After beautiful a very rainy, football. lousy week, it was just Drove came here out this morning because I don't know why we come to the Super Bowl games <laughs> 14 to 18 hours before kickoff every year. No one's ever quite defined why that happens, but it's what happens. We drove here in a deep fog where you couldn't even see the stadium until you were right in front of it. It was like uh, the iceberg in the Titanic. By the way, now it's locked, and we're not getting out till roughly 10 in the morning. <laughs> TD nodding his TD's, head. Someone's going to go down for this, TD. Greg, I think uh, oh, no. you. Uh, we're going to give you the floor now to 
uh, espouse about the Patriots and what they accomplished. And I don't like this, you know. Just own the moment. It's a big moment for you. It will never happen for me or Mark. So, or Connor, who's also a Browns fan. Wes lives in a state of football purgatory. This is your moment right now. I mean, I'm Go good. Ahead. I'm good. I don't want anything more as a fan for any of my teams, for the Patriots. Like, this was the one. I don't, I don't believe a word of that. Well, I believe it right now. For yeah, the pa- right. It's next, a bunch of garbage. Next year they'll be back in the playoffs and you'll be rooting for I'll, Of course I'll want them to win, but this was really – the one that you just wanted to get that one more to kind of solidify all this success that they've had since 2010. And there, there is something about how it started in controversy with the tuck rule and everyone's kind of hated them ever since Spygate and you had all this Deflategate the last couple weeks. And just for them to win kind of in that old school, early 2000s way like they did with a, with a role player making the big play at the end, just kind of with a big middle finger to everyone else. Oh, well, let's calm down with that. But, <laughs> but again, think about it. Think how close we came, 24-14 in the fourth quarter, how close we came to Tom Brady winning three straight Super Bowls, then losing three straight oh, yeah. Super Bowls, and that really being a bittersweet, let's face it, black mark on how he's remembered as the guy that started strong and ended weak in the biggest game. Uh, instead, all that's wiped off the books. Four out of six is dominant, and – and listen, I, I tweeted it. It was in the heat of the moment, but I still stand by it. Um, I do like to like to have fun and talk about the greatest quarterback ever stuff. I think he's the best ever. I yeah, think I agree with you. I think this game locked it up. He's gonna have. He's gonna be in the top five in every major p- passing c- category by the time he finally quits. Maybe top three. And he has four rings and six Super Bowl appearances at least. We think. To me, I guess is to cap off the day for me. We're here last year, and we're talking about Peyton Manning's legacy. And going into that game, most people considered him greater all-time than Tom Brady. A year later, we're not even bringing up Peyton Manning in the discussion. Brady has distanced himself a little bit from Peyton Manning. It it is such a weird sport, though. I I wrote it right when that drive started by the Seahawks that what the Patriots defenders do, what Malcolm Butler and Jamie Collins does for the next three minutes is going to change the way we talk about Tom Brady for the next 50 years. That's that's just how it is. And, Connor, to just uh, talk about – for the Patriots to do this in Seattle, did you hear that crowd, the way they were cheering here in this building? This was a Seahawks home game, basically, and the Patriots shut them all up and sent them home sad and moping. I mean, we, we addressed it earlier, but Bill Belichick was roundly booed during the national anthem. <laughs> that like, was pretty crazy. On live television. I mean, that, that was the atmosphere there. It really it felt, ridiculous. and I will give Patriots fans credit, it did. They got pretty loud when good things happened for the Pats, too, but this was a, Probably a 70, 30, 65, oh, it was like 90, It I felt like 90, 10 up here. We it was so loud. Level, it, was, it was probably 90 to 95% uh, Seahawks fans. Uh, but there was a good amount of noise when the Patriots did things. Yeah. So they must have been Patriots fans in the Maybe building. Maybe some of those Seahawks fans jumped ship and went over to the game. <laughs> I thought it was the loudest Super Bowl I've ever been to. I thought it was a pretty big factor in the game. Like the like Brady was having trouble. Like Just everything sound-wise, it was insane how loud they were. I did feel bad for our social media uh, interloper Goose Bryce Guffsis and I looked. I, oh, he was I sitting behind us. Turned, well, we all did because you know he's back here. We couldn't even see him, but turned around. He just had. A, he's a notorious Seahawks fan. Family involved with the Seahawks organization. Thousand yard stare into nowhere. You know what's interesting? You. <laughs> that is sad. Well, because that's for those. He fans, came up after me think, ten oh, minutes it's later. Miracle, and, and I just got. It's also the nicest guy in the world too. Yeah. So he was like, oh golly. Right, ten minutes later, he came over to me, like shook my hand, said, "I'm glad we're still friends, and congratulations." Like, like, 
fans do anything. Mark quietly was the biggest cheerer Quite in the Patriots' corner. Wes, w- Mark, and oh, I were I in was, the same corner. And Mark was, when things were going poorly for the Patriots, he was getting fired up pretty <laughs> pissed. He was showing more there. emotion than me. I had to be your good cop, bad cop. Because okay. I'm like, I know Greg is quietly going crazy, but he's an yeah. editor. He's got high-level bosses watching his behavior. So I had to be <laughs> the one that was a little bit more emotional to show Greg he wasn't alone. The, the mystery of the game, I want to know, who threw the Skittles that buzzed Mark Sessler's tower? Oh, yeah, after yeah there was some, some Skittle action. We're in the highest possible place in this building, and the Skittles came from above us. I don't Probably know how that happened. Speaking of uh, covert footage of high, high above bosses, uh, one of the management figures got a video uh, exclusive around the NFL, exclusive footage of Greg celebrating and Mark and Wes celebrating the go-ahead Patriot that touchdown was that the in the fourth quarter. It was. That was the yep, go-ahead it was. My uh, takeaway. Again, you will not see me in that shot. Mine whoever was pretty took this footage, Whoever took this footage, high-level executive or not, does, did not have a lot to do during this game. Right. <laughs> they were literally taping us instead of the I disagree biggest with that, play by the way, in the Mark. Super Bowl. Um, all right. Gentlemen. Greg, you are the boss. We have reached the end of another season together. I just want to say this thanks to all good. our uh, listeners, first of all. Cause nice start. It's I don't know. It's awesome how much this podcast grown. I, it was a great feeling seeing Mark and Wes and Dan on Friday and, and Connor when we're doing this video that they started. You can a, still watch that, by they the way. started the debate club a couple of years ago, and it's the podcast has grown. It's because of you guys telling your friends and. Here we are doing videos. Next year, we're going to be back on Radio Row, except that <laughs> is going to be on NFL oh. Network. Wow. <laughs> well, we already that one caught the, me off, off guard. We already get the beep out. By the way, let's get, let's get the On to London uh, train back yeah, moving we, for we next year. So let's, uh, it, again, I don't know, what did we come up with again? It was uh, send a postcard, a, a British-based postcard, to the league home office on 345 Park Avenue. Send the Around the League team to London for one of those games uh, because we know we have a huge fan base here out in uh, the U.K. and we want to meet everybody and do it. So that's that's a big uh, bucket list for me personally for next year. Maybe not the Jaguars. We, we, ha- we have the best <laughs> job in the world. So much fun to be here covering these historic games. And these guys killed it all week. Dan, Mark, Wes, Connor. You know, Connor was solid. Uh, I'm just kidding. I didn't want to give too much praise to the first guy. Actually, Connor's been killing it all week. Features, the news, the podcast, late night, cranking it out. I'm just saying, it was a great... It was a great week for us. I love coming out here, and it was, it was fun. fun. Special shout-out to our international listeners who have been an ever-growing presence on Twitter, and they get involved very mm. big time. Let's West go, America. Ahead. Step it up in 2015. Trying to you know, soften that situation where he still hasn't put, gotten that map together that right. he promised oh, to put together. Somewhere and and finally, last but not least, a special shout-out and, a, and a congratulations to Matt Damon. And Ben Affleck. <laughs> uh, I thought about them tonight. Uh, really, they good guys. They deserve another title for their wretched city. No, I thought you were going to go TD. Uh, it's been a great well, time. Well, you missed TD. Don't put TD season. on me because you wasn't included done. in the wrap-up. There we go. I just did Tuesday. it. So that's it. That's it for the second annual Super Bowl Sunday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, we're going to take a couple days off to recharge our batteries. Uh, at least a couple of us are slowly dying, so there's going to be some IVs needed. <laughs> Uh, but we'll be back. I think we'll have our next show on Thursday, so we'll let this one slow cook a little bit. Percolate. And percolate. Uh, so uh, enjoy it, and thanks for listening. 
Let's get on the bus to Glendale. This is, or to Phoenix. This is Dan Hansis signing off for the boss, Space Ghost, <laughs> the Mailman, <laughs> the Sizzler, and TD in the press box. Until Thursday. I got one question. Give me a bra. Give me a bra. Give me a bra. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com you know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.